0: 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we'll be tonight. 2 Peter on the brain, I guess. And we're looking at grow tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The apostle has been talking about being born again and who they are in Christ. And then we come to chapter 2, beginning with verse One, it says, therefore, that refers back. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, to be together, uh, Father, with our spiritual family. And Lord, uh, we just thank you for the opportunities that you've given us today, whether it was Sunday school or or worship or uh, the ladies Bible study for them this evening. And then uh, this study for us tonight, uh, the singing we've had. Lord, just the time to gather together and to lift your name on high. And, Father, we just ask that you'll continue to be with us, that you'll guide us with your Holy Spirit, that you'll make your word come alive, and, Lord, we'll grow from it. And, Father, that not only will we grow, we'll apply it to our daily lives uh, so that uh, uh, we'll be useful to you in your kingdom. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We can talk about a lot of sad things. You know, the news is full of them almost every day. I think, really, though, one of the saddest things is when you've been away from somebody for a while, maybe a Christian brother or sister in another town, and, and you come back, and they're exactly the same. And by exactly the same, I don't mean they're just friendly, and I don't mean that you can't strike up a conversation and just go on like nothing has changed between you. What I'm talking about is they haven't grown a lick. They're the same Christian they were when you left. They're just sort of stunted. Uh, they haven't done and gone on in the faith like they're supposed to. And the apostle is talking about that here when he wants us to know that we have to study God's word to grow spiritually. And he wants us to know that that study needs to be consistent and persistent and, and that we're like newborn babes to desire it. But you have to study God's word if you're going to grow spiritually. Uh, I believe it needs to be daily. You need to add some death depth to it, and you need to have life-changing growth from year to year. Um, uh, it, It sort of works this way. If you go, and this year you gain two pounds, that's not bad, until you add it up over 40 years, and that's 80 pounds. Have you ever thought about that? That's bad. Okay, But if you grow two pounds worth of spirituality this year, And over the next year you go 2 to 3 to 4 pounds a year. Then you're doing pretty well. And so that's I think what he's talking about. So let's just look at 2 or 3 things about grow. About growing in Christ. Uh, First of all from verse 1. Spiritual growth requires keeping the proper attitudes. Keeping the proper attitudes. Look at it with me again in verse 1. Therefore laying aside all malice. All deceit hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And then he goes on and says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. But you see, he talks about these attitudes. I think he's looking back. You see, when he says, therefore, I said that that looks back. It looks back to all that he said in chapter 1. What he's basically said in chapter 1, you've received new life in Christ. And then he said, because you've received a new life in Christ, there's some things that need to be not part of your life. That you need to lay aside, that you need to take off, that you need to cast off as in, poor, in proper clothing for Christian. And it says you need to put off these sinful attitudes. Okay? And then there's the loosing. You know, taking off means that uh, soiled clothing is tossed aside. You know, uh, in our house, uh, it's supposed to go in the laundry basket. I'm not good at hitting the laundry basket. Okay, and that's just the truth of it, and Elizabeth will tell you that. But you see, soil clothing is not to be, uh, <clears throat> how do I want to say it? We'd go to visit Matthew when he was in college, and I didn't like staying with him in his apartment. It was dirty. And uh, and I realized that he wasn't doing real well when I washed it one morning, and we were there, and he still had to go to class, and he picks up stuff, and he, oh, that's good enough, and he puts it on. Okay? <laughs> That's what it's like if you don't get rid of some of your old life, some of these old sinful attitudes, and you're supposed to be walking in Christ. He said, Lose these. Take them off like soil clothing. Put them in the hamper. Uh, don't don't put them on again. Be clean, okay? And so he, he, he talks about that, and he says, Now, I want you to understand this. This is to be a continual process throughout our Christian life. That's desiring God's Word and putting off Attitudes that don't become Christians. And if we don't do that, we wear dirty clothing. But I wanted to look at some of the things he says take off. He says, uh, take off uh, all malice. Malice is all kinds of evil conduct, but it means specifically that you have an active ill will, that you might have a vicious nature towards somebody. And he says, don't do that. As a Christian, we're to forgive as we've been forgiven. He said, don't have malice as a part of your attitude. I just don't like them. Well, why not? I don't know. I just don't like them. They're not like me. Well, praise God. Wouldn't life be boring if we were all the same? See, I think God has a sense of humor. Look around you. He put all of us together as a church. That's got to make him laugh. You don't think so? Yeah, I think so. But see, he says, put off all mouths. And he says, and guile. Guile is a picture of somebody baiting a hook. You you don't usually just throw a bare hook in. You 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 disguise it, you know, you put a worm on it, you put corn on it, you put you put something that makes it look like it's not a hook. All right. And it it means catching something in a trap. But here's what guile really means in, in the New Testament. It means people who are skilled in getting their way by manipulating. Other people. If you know anybody like that, they're good at guile. They're skilled in it. It means that that you want your way, and so you just sort of fudge things here and there until you get your way. All right. And he says that's not to be a Christian. We not to do that. It, you know, we're to think more highly of others than we are ourselves. We're to think of others before ourselves, and that means you can't practice guile and do that. And then he said hypocrisies. We know a hypocrite, and in, in the Greek it means playing a part. In their day, all the plays that were done were done by men. And so when the men had to be a woman, they would hold up a, 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 a little face thing in front of them and play a part. Yeah, I'm just a woman. Da, 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 da. And then whenever the man, they'd take out the manly voice. Okay? And it means playing a part. And he says, well, We're not to play parts, we're to be genuine, we're to belong to Christ. It should be what you see is what you get. But when I say that, what you see is what God is trying to make me, and I'm striving towards that. Don't practice hypocrisy. Then he said envies, and and you know what envy is. is jealousy. But it means this. It means somebody else has something, and either I want it or I don't think they really deserve it. Why, Why did they get it, and I didn't get that blessing? Even if I really didn't want it, why are they so blessed? and God isn't blessing me? And it's jealousy, it's envies. And Christian brothers and sisters should not be envious of one another. Most of the times, if we really think about other people's lives, we won't be envious at all. Everybody has their own unique set of troubles, their own unique set of problems, and, and everybody is gifted by God to handle those differently, and I don't want yours and you don't want mine." It's called, "Don't be envious." Then he says, evil speaking. That means backbiting. Okay? It means talking behind somebody's back. It means running down their reputation to exalt self. He says, that's not to be known in Christian churches. It's not to be known among Christian brothers and sisters. Don't be guilty of evil speaking. You see, we have to put those attitudes, those inner sins off in order to grow Spiritually. He says, we need to be checking ourselves. What's our attitude like on the inside where nobody else can see when we're just talking to ourselves? You do talk to yourself, right? Don't say you don't because I hear you sometimes answering yourselves down the hallways. But see, it's, 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 it's sort of the roots that grow everything else in your Christian life. And these roots can't be contaminated. It sort of works like this. I've told you before when I was at seminary, I got the privilege of working on the landscape crew, and they had us doing all kinds of stuff. And one particular winter, they'd had a big storm, and it had killed a bunch of the con trees on on what we called Seminary or Cemetery Hill. And Cemetery Hill was the only place in that area that was like Arkansas. You went down about this far, and you hit rock lots of rock. Everywhere else had that good black Texas dirt that you could just scoop and doop and doop, but not Seminary Hill. And so my buddy, Cecil Renshaw and I, we worked together on the landscaping crew. And and because uh, we could both drive tractors and because we knew how to handle machinery, he, he put, my boss, Mr. Norton, put us to planting 250 pecan trees. If you go down there now, you'll see the pecan trees I planted almost 30 years ago. They're mature. And they did well. But here's here's what we did, and I'd never heard of this before. Uh, Mr. Norton bought bare-root trees. In other words, the roots weren't bundled up. They weren't tied in dirt or in a canvas or anything. And in a, in a bare-root tree, here's what you have to do. Did you know that those those roots, when they're exposed like that, they die, they scorch, they burn. And so he would have us look at that, and we would we would trim back to where we knew it was still nice and, and moist on the root. And then we'd look at that. And whatever that shape was, was a shape we had to trim the top of the tree before we planted it. Because the roots had to support the top. It's the same way in your Christian life. Our roots as we grow have to support what God's growing us into. And it's up to us to trim back those attitudes that hinder our Christian growth. And when we trim those roots right, God will prune the top so that we produce fruit. And believe me, I was down there when Matthew graduated looking at those pecan trees and amazed that they still had pecans on them. Because I was just sure when we was trimming those roots, they were all going to die. It was something else. But you see, you give up the things of your former life. You put them off. You cast them away. They're soiled clothing. They're not proper for a Christian and these are mental attitudes that are sinful. And he says, take all these malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speaking and put them off. Don't have anything to do with them. Treat them as anathema, death. Because they are death to our spiritual growth. Because if one of these sets in, bitterness sets in, and you have a root of bitterness that exposes itself in malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, or evil speaking. And he says, don't have anything to do with them, Christian. You, you feel yourself... Get a little bit jealous, nip it in the bud. Count your blessings. Pray for that person you're a little jealous of. You you, you you feel a little bit hostile towards somebody, nip it in the bud. Start praying your love will flow. That's the way we grow. And so he said the first part of it is deal with these sinful attitudes. And the second part, he says, is that spiritual growth as I said earlier, comes from studying God's Word. Look at verses 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I see the desire here. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. I didn't really understand that till I had children and how much they 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 liked uh, uh, mother's milk, and uh, you know it, it was it was something else. You had twins, and and we couldn't sit down and eat unless they ate first. Because as soon as you start eating, they wanted to eat. Okay, you could have them in the back room asleep, and the first little clink they heard from from a fork, they were awake. And Matthew was even worse because he sounded like a hollow drum. He'd go gulp, 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 and you could hear it hit the bottom. Boom, boom, boom. And he'd get about this full, and you'd pat him up, and about the first time to burp him, he'd spit up all over you. We thought something was wrong with him. The girls were preemies, and they had a hard time. You'd have to really get going to get them to burp at all. And yet Matthew would just, whoop. I thought, like, this is disgusting. He always waited on Sunday mornings till I picked him up, trying to help Elizabeth get ready to go to church, and it was boop. And you hope it didn't stink, because if it stunk, you had to change church. If not, you just cover it up with your jacket. <laughs> okay? But you see, a baby desires mother's milk. And it's a principle for, for spiritual growth. When we talk about God's Word, do we desire it? Do we desire to understand it? Do we desire to study it? Do we desire to have it affect our lives, to teach us how to walk with God? Is there the desire there? And if it's not the desire, if we're not hungry for God's Word, then when what's going on in our lives? See, he said desire the sincere milk or the pure milk of God's Word. It means that it's, mixed with, it's not mixed with anything. We didn't have to mix anything with the baby's milk. We need not have to mix it and try to make it better. See, you don't have to adulterate God's Word. It's good for Christians. It's what we're supposed to feed upon. See, and the destination is this. He says, you desire it that you may grow by it. You see, that's a henna clause. It means it's a purpose clause. It says, in order that you may grow thereby. The purpose, the reason you desire it is because of the effects it has on your life. You need to know, and I need to know, that when we study God's Word consistently and persistently, there's spiritual growth. And God didn't save us to sit. Let me say it another way He didn't save us to stagnate and mold. To me, churches have stagnated, moldy Christians, they're not growing. And if you haven't noticed it, when something ceases growing, it begins dying. That's the truth. You reach a point in your age where you get up to a certain height, and then over the years, some other things sort of make you shorter. (laughs) Things start drying up. Okay? If we were trees, we would shed every, every fall. Okay? And he goes on and he says, look... You're to desire that word. And if, if we don't have the desire for God's word, we need to, we need to do some things. And, I, and I'm being serious here. You need, first of all, make sure you were saved. I didn't say you came and got baptized. I didn't say you came and joined the church. I said you have a relationship with Jesus Christ whereby you confessed your sins and placed your faith in him. He saved you because if he saved you, he gave you his spirit. And his spirit will guide you in the truth of his word and cause you to desire things of God. His spirit will not leave you alone. And if you're doing wrong things, His spirit will convict you. And so if you just feel sort of, yeah, towards God's word, I could take it and leave it, then I want you to ask you, are you really saved? Genuinely saved? The second thing is, if there's some unconfessed sin... Or something that God has told you to do in his word and you didn't do it. And so now he's just sitting there waiting. And he's not going to give you more instructions until you obey the first ones. People say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, that's the truth. Why would God share with us and share with us and share with us and we go home and we forget all about it? I mean, have you ever had to share something with somebody and share something with somebody until you retire tired of sharing something with them and you're just not going to tell them again? You know, usually when we do that in the work area, we get fired. Right? God doesn't fire people. He takes them home. That's the truth. We need to ask, you know, if you're not hearing from God, if you don't have that desire for God's Word, God's people, God's singing, God's spirit in your life, and I'm going to assume that you are because you're the Sunday night crowd and you're here, say, Amen. Amen. You just pat yourself on the back. You're where you're supposed to be. How do I know that? Because Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of son. some. And it goes on and says, even more so as you see the day approaching. If you don't know it, the day's approaching. Amen. Encourage one another. Meet together. Well, going to church doesn't save you, Brother Getty. No, it doesn't. But it makes you a better saved person. Hello. Why? Because he said, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he'd be. And I'm not saying he's not with you privately in your private Bible study, but there's something special about being with God's people where God moves and we get to feel him move. They're about to start chasing uh, beagles up there because I'm running rabbits. Then he goes on and he says, you know, you study God's word and then he says, if you have tasted that the Lord is good or gracious. If, if, did you lose your salvation? No, if. If is that little Greek preposition, D-E-I. And it can really be translated since. If you've tasted the Lord Jesus, you know he's good. Okay? And what he's saying is, look, if you've really tasted Jesus, if you've really got Jesus in your heart and in your life, if Jesus is really speaking to you, it's never enough just to have a little bit goes like this. I like steak. I'm a beef person. Of course, I'll eat deer, pork, turkey, fish, chicken, lots of fried chicken, okay? But let's just say that I have have me a a great bean T-bone steak. Now, I don't know how you like them. I like them to be about a pound and a half. And I want them about that thick because... Anybody that eats good steak knows medium rare is the way to eat it. Some of you say, no, yes, it's tender and tasty. And let's say, now I've got it on the charcoal. That's Elizabeth's preferred method. She says it adds flavor to it. Okay, so I've got it on the charcoal, and you know what that smells like. Can you smell it? You know, it's just sizzling there, and you're finally ready to flip it over, and you flip it over. I mean, you know, I soak mine overnight, marinate them, you know, and and then I put seasoning on and flip them on there. And then, and then when it's time, I flip them over. And if you're really good at it, which I'm not always good at it, but if you're really good, you only flip them once. Make them tender. And let's say that I'm getting ready to make sure it's right. So I don't know how you do it, but I take a little fork and I stab that meat. And you had to do it quick because the coals are hot. And you cut off a piece, just a little piece. You look at it, oh, that's about right. And you taste it. And those juices and that flavor just, it just are you hungry for steak yet? Yeah. And and it just goes everywhere. Now, to say you're a Christian and to say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and all you want is that little bitty cut of meat and then that's enough, I don't need anymore, is ludicrous. Because after I have that little piece, I want the whole thing. People around me are lucky if I share. The grandkids I'll share with and Elizabeth because I have to. Anybody else is out of luck. But, but do you see what I'm saying? Did, did it make sense? Because, you see, when you, when you take a little piece of God's Word and the Holy Spirit lets you taste it and you start learning and, and that's not enough. You want some more. Since you've tasted the Lord's goodness, since the Holy Spirit has led you to understand what He's done for you, How you've been saved since he's taught you from his heavenly wisdom there in front of you to grow you. A little bit's not enough. You want more. And the other thing about it is I find out I can eat that big old pound and half steak. I know you don't think I can, but I can. I need a bigger one if I have to. The only one I I couldn't truly eat, they had that 72-ounce one in, in Texas. Amarillo. And if you can eat it and the baked potato and the bread, you get a free meal. If you don't, you pay about 60 bucks. I didn't try it because I know I can't eat 72 pounds of meat. But anyway, what I find out, I can eat that big old meal. And next morning, I still want biscuits and gravy and some eggs and some sausage. And after I eat that, I still want something for for lunch. Even, even if I'm feeling guilty and have a salad, I want some meat on it. He wants rabbit food. But my point is, most of us, some of you have told me that two meals a day is fine for you. Well, I'm glad for you, but no. I find I have to eat every day. Even though I have that big old steak, the next day I want something else to eat at some point. You eat today off God's Word And there ought to be that hunger the next day to eat off God's Word. And the next day to eat off God's Word. And the next day. Because as surely as all those meals my mother fed me growing up grew me. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word, grows us. Day by day. When we cease to grow is when we cease to study. When we think we know it all. I have arrived. I don't need to study that anymore. I had somebody tell me that one time. I said, really? Tell me what such and such means. What it means is, have you ever thought that it could mean this also? Well, where would you get that? Study. Okay. I don't think we arrive this side of heaven. I think to the day we die, there's more God wants to teach us about himself. How can you ever learn all of the Almighty? Of the Eternal Father? It takes study. It takes walking with him. And if we want to grow, if we want to be those Christians that are useful to God, if we want to be those Christians that other people can count on, then we'd better be dealing with the mental attitudes and studying God's Word. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Someone might be here tonight, and you have no idea what I'm talking about because the Bible doesn't make sense to you. You've never been saved. You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the Bible doesn't make sense, and it won't make sense until the Holy Spirit teaches you, and you have the Holy Spirit the moment you're saved. You need to come and ask Christ in your heart and life tonight some need to come join this church you've been going forever and ever you need to come by baptism statement or letter how we receive members some need to come in rededication you study studied God's word but you've just been so tired lately you've sort of just been slacking off a little bit and you just need to come to the altar privately and recommit to studying God's word or doing other things that he has told you about but whatever you have to do God wants you to do it tonight and he doesn't want you to do it privately most of the time because he called public disciples So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us to the hymn invitation. And you come as he wants you to come. Father God, thank you for your word. Help us to desire your word and to grow from your word. Teach us as only you can. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you'd have us to do tonight. For the glory of Jesus Christ, for it's in his name I pray. Amen.